travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 89, Bagan, Mandalay, and Inlay Lake, Myanmar. Myanmar is a country steeped in mystery and controversy. More or less closed to the outside world for 50 years by military government, it opened up in 2012 and looked like it would soon become Southeast Asia's hottest travel destination. It did take off, but hotel prices went through the roof. Many people began to question the value of the rising cost to travel there. Numbers tapered off. Then the Rohingya crisis kicked off, seeing tourism numbers plunge by at least 40% in 2018. Whether or not you should travel to Myanmar is something we'll leave to you to decide and instead focus on our travel experiences to three of the country's hotspots, Bagan, Mandalay, and Inlay Lake. From Bangkok, Thailand, this is Scott, and with me in another country is... Hey, Scott. Trevor Ranges here. Uh, hey, Trevor. Phnom Penh, Cambodia. You sound pretty relaxed and, as we would say in Thailand, sabai. Yeah, it's Sunday. I had a good weekend. It was nice to be home and... Uh... Relax a bit. Nice. Um, do you have a beverage? We usually have one when we record. Yeah, I'm having the Samai Kampot Pepper Spiced Rum. I'm not a rum guy, but that is very good rum. Last time I was there, I had one. And I have a Deschutes Fresh Squeezed IPA. Ooh, tasty. In a Heart of Darkness Brewery Glass. <laughs> All right. Mm. Well, Trevor, well, cheers, we have, Scott. Yeah, cheers. Virtual cheers. Um, you and I have both been in Myanmar with a massive gap of like a decade between when you were there and I have been there. Is that right? Yeah. You know, when you're saying in the intro that it opened up in 2012, um, I was there a decade earlier. So uh, in 2002, my ex gal pal Nat and I, uh, we traveled mm -hmm. to Yangon and we rented a car with a driver and went on a seven day road trip loop up to Bagan and Inlay Lake and, and back down. And back then in 2002, again, uh, Aung San Suu Kyi was still under house arrest and you right. were generally like supposed to not travel there and whatnot, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't think we saw a single other foreigner the entire time we were in the country, literally. Really? Um, and, and it was weird because you couldn't even communicate with anyone in Thailand even because you didn't have a cell phone. I didn't own a cell phone back then, but it wouldn't have worked sure. anyway, right? And then yeah. there was no internet. They had internet, but it was mostly like an intranet, you know. You could make like a Myanmar government issue uh, email address or something like that you know but we might have done okay. that because we had to, to send some emails but um, it was the most different place I'd ever been but we had such fascinating interactions with the people it was so amazing that I wrote a draft of a really long piece that encouraged people to go to Myanmar that, but I didn't ever finish it but uh, I really thought it was such a fascinating place cool and it, I mean it still is I first went there I think in 2010. It might have been a little bit before that, so the country was still sort of closed. My wife and I went for four nights just to Yangon, and it was fascinating. And then we went just two years later in 2012 to Bagan for three nights, and I actually proposed to my wife there. And the difference in just those two years, it sort of opening up was incredible. All of a sudden, people had mobile phones, which prior to that, a SIM card was like $1,000. 
I went back uh, last year in 2017 and uh, was working in Yangon for nine days. And suddenly I was like, wow, there's some shopping malls and traffic suddenly had become a thing. And also in December 2017, my parents, my wife and I went to Mandalay for a night, Inlay Lake for three nights and over to Napali Beach, which is on the West Coast. Uh, and so we were there for, yeah, I guess about 10 days or so. And um, this is October 2018 when we're recording. So this is the kind of destination that can change pretty quickly. So, I mean, don't, you know, definitely take off taking everything we say is it's going to be exactly as it is right we're not experts on this this is a very kind of top line episode simply our experiences right yeah we've done some online research on travel fish and lonely planet um but dive deeper before you go yeah no i was doing some reading up on it because again like i'm based here in cambodia again and i've been reading all these old history books from the early kingdoms and and lots of times i'll cross-reference like what's happening in thailand at the time and uh and I didn't do a lot of research about Myanmar or the Pagan area in Mandalay mm. um, simply just because they didn't cross paths with the Khmer, the Angkorians too often, you know, but right. it's interesting that like Pagan was the, like the capital of the kingdom there for, from like the ninth century to the 13th century, which is mm-hmm. around like the same period as Angkor and right. uh, around and around like the the 13th century when the, those two were going down Chiang Mai was founded and uh, Sukhothai was which is another amazing place to go I think Sukhothai but but Bagan is kind of like Angkor in like its spectacularness yeah yeah well we're, we'll get into Bagan and all that shortly but if you are into Myanmar uh, go back to episode 72 was northern Myanmar with Nick Ray who's written great the Lonely too. Planet Cambodia great guy and he wrote uh, the northern Myanmar section of the latest lonely planet and actually this episode is all because of a listener longtime listener Pettis Smith sent us a message and said look love the podcast we're headed there in December 2018 could you do an episode on these places and we thought you know what why not so uh, Pettis Smith we hope you have a great trip and on that note if you enjoyed the show Petta and others Please support us on Patreon. You can go to our homepage of our website, talktravelasia.com, and you will see a button on the left side for Patreon. It is very simple to sponsor us just a dollar a month or upwards. Trevor and I pay for this out of our own pocket. There are costs. And you know what? We kind of... We desperately need some funds, wouldn't you say, Trump? <laughs> yeah, and I think our advice is pretty good. I'm not sure yeah. if it's PETA or PETA, but uh, I definitely appreciate um, all of our listeners. I'm always kind of surprised that, uh, you know, we get mail from people and uh, get a lot of questions that we try to answer. And I'm glad that people do listen to the show and enjoy it and hope uh, our show notes and maps and everything are really helpful. So we would appreciate some help. Uh, so click on that link and uh, help out. Yeah. So uh, we'll start with the first of three places. Uh, Bagan. It's an ancient city in central Myanmar. It's southwest of Mandalay and it's on the eastern banks of the Arawati River. And the area is comprised really of about 2,000 Buddhist monuments or sort of chedis. These, you know, wide at the bottom, generally getting narrow towards the top monuments. But then some big square ones. It's a real desert-like area. And as Trevor said, the empire kind of began in a simple form in the ninth century, gradually growing to become two, one of the two main kingdoms in, in Southeast Asia. And as Trevor, you just mentioned earlier, the other one was the Khmer Empire in Cambodia. And it grew and flourished, this uh, Bagan capital, until 1287, when they figure that Mongol invaders made it all the way down there, which fascinates me. And basically, they abandoned uh, 
the area before there was any kind of battle. And today it's just sort of getting uh, used to tourists coming. And it's also a little bit of an earthquake prone area. Yeah, you know, that was interesting when I was doing some history or reading up on the history. Um, there had been 10,000 or more than 10,000 monuments really? or temples that had been built there. Okay. Yeah, and 8,000 of them, because of the earthquakes, hmm. uh, have were, were destroyed over the, the centuries. Um, and it just remained a pilgrimage place for throughout the 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th century. Mm-hmm. So I guess there was about 12 temples that are like the main ones that like all these pilgrims kept going to. But uh, yeah, about 2,000 remain. And it's amazing because it's kind of like high desert up there. It's really dry. I think one of the names of the city means like bronze, city of bronze or the bronze land or something. Because okay. uh, it's so it's so different. You'd think like Southeast Asia is all kind of like jungle and stuff. And you think of Angkor is surrounded by these forests. Mm-hmm. And then Bagan is just in these desert plains and spectacular sunsets. Yeah, yeah it is a place where when you you know you go online and you call up the photos and you see the landscape with these incredible monuments it looks that good like usually you know you see the picture you go it doesn't look that good but it it is staggering and you'll climb into uh, up on monuments that look unlike any other monuments in southeast asia or the world for for that matter there's lots of the traditional smooth sort of wide at the bottom as i mentioned pointy stupas at the top but then a lot of square type structures that are then built upon and uh, yeah it is staggering and and you know when you to go around there um i think you kind of need three days i believe we were there three nights and um you won't feel like you're rushing and there's kind of like new bagan and old bagan and they're separated by like five or six kilometers and as you said i mean it's hot as hell right um it's kind of fun to get around on a bicycle for at least a day also horse cart is very popular or air con car and you know when we were there we kind of did all three like first day we were on the bike then we did a car one day because we're like oh my god it was 40 degrees so it's kind of nice if you vary up all the transport and on bikes um, a lot of the little kind of paths to these temples are sort of sand and dirt so it's kind of a little tricky riding the bike too how did you get around yeah we we took the horse and cart rider and i feel like i told this story on one of our episodes before um but we, I think it was a dollar to hire the, the horse cart guy for the day. <laughs> and we're like, geez, like a dollar. And like, you know, do you own the cart or do you like rent it out from somebody? And he had to pay rent on the cart as well. And we're like, wow, like there's no visitors here. I'm like, do you, we asked him if he made enough money. And he said sometimes. And it was kind of heartbreaking. So, you know, I think maybe even the guys who are still doing the horse carts don't be like, oh, that's so cruel that a horse has got to run you around there in the heat. But it might be good to to patronize some of those guys as well. So, yeah, I think you're right. If you had three days, try and do it three different styles, you know. Um, Aircon car definitely would be nice one day. Yeah, we, we <laughs> thought we'd ride bikes each day. We didn't. And the other thing I think about at least three nights is that it's kind of the same as when you go to see the temples of Angkor. If you've got a short period, then you've got to do so much in a day, and you just get templed out. You just get tired. It doesn't mean much. You're kind of like, oh, I don't care anymore. So if you have at least three nights, like even four, that way you can, you know, Wow, really? I, if people have the luxury. Yeah. But, you know, I also suggest a, we got a hotel that had a swimming pool that was by the river and it was really beautiful. And so getting a pool is a nice thing. Um, yeah, three nights. It's definitely worth 
visiting. I'd love to be able to do three nights. I don't think we, we stayed two. We might have just stayed, yeah, probably two nights. Yeah, I um, did three. But, yeah, it's, it's a place you'd probably want to go back for more. Yeah, and uh, it's really nice to do kind of a, a sunset little boat ride on the Arawadi as well. We drank a couple of beer and rented a simple little boat. Um, a pool is is a must. You mentioned that one. A pool is really great. And if you have like $300 plus, uh, balloons over Bagan going up in a hot air balloon kind of November to yeah. June. I've seen the pictures here. We didn't have that. Yeah, looks. We didn't have that option, but that looks like a must do. You know, like, I don't know. Did you propose in a balloon? No. Or, or is she it, it's, a, it's a side <laughs> story, but I, man, I proposed and, and spent the day agonizing over where to do it. And it ended up being on a completely smallest most ordinary tiny little pagoda and then when people saw us on it they came over and other people it was just it was it was funny i think i think you really want to do the balloon because when i went you were able to like climb up on top of some of the temples and you could like watch the sunsets from up there and because it's just all these temples spread out over this great plain you kind of need advantage point and i heard that they built some like artificial berms like little hills that you can climb up so that you get sort of a view Hmm. but um Interesting. Yeah, balloon would be and and bike tours. There's a couple companies there that you know have proper mountain bikes and uh, do good bike tours. You'll probably get a flat. There's lots of little thorns there, so be prepared to get a flat. And as far as getting to and from, from say uh, Yangon, uh, I've heard there's nice sleeper buses which actually kind of beds on them. It takes about ten hours. Train super slow. I think it's about fourteen or fifteen, and it actually often jumps up and down on the tracks like kind of dangerous if you watch anthony bourdain's uh, show on the area he's on the train and it's bouncing around you can also uh, take a boat from mandalay down the irrawaddy river it can be a few hours or a couple of days if you go slow and flying is funny because the planes tend to do like a circular route like yangon bagan mandalay inlay yangon so it's like one flight there but when you're flying back to yangon from bagan often you go to two or three other places on the way yeah, we uh, actually drove from Yangon. We got a hired a car with a driver, right. mm-hmm. and I looked on I looked on Google Maps, and uh, it says the old route that we would have taken is twelve and a half hours. So we stopped along the way overnight in in Pa P Y A Y. I'm not sure if Pi is okay. the right way to pronounce that. It's a that. journey, but it looks like there's a there's a new road through Napita. Napita. Pronounce the capital. I think it's Napita. Napita. Mm. Okay, Nipita, there's a new road that goes through there, and that's only eight and a half hours. Um, <laughs> still a ways. That would be cool to, it would still be cool to see. Like, doing the drive was amazing because, like, the old road was, like, farmland as far as you can see, and, like, watermelons. They sold watermelons on the side of the road. And as it converts to high desert, like, you drive through these little, like, it's a little village, I guess, but there'll be a temple, and they'll have, like, monks and people out on the side of the street like to collect alms as you drive by Mm -hmm. just the countryside was so fascinating i think uh again if you have the time like it's a great way to do it maybe doing it the other way coming from the south but like driving between yangon and and bagan was one of the coolest parts of our trip yeah i mean if you had the time that does sound fascinating so i mean i think if you're a a fan of history and monuments of Southeast Asia, Bagan is up there with the kingdom of Angkor. Like there are more monuments I would say in, in Angkor, but seeing Bagan once in your life, it, it's incredible. Uh, read up on the history a bit. It'll add a lot. Um, why don't we slide up to Mandalay? So if you head kind of Northeast of uh, Bagan, you'll get to Mandalay. It's in fact, 716 kilometers North of Yangon says Wikipedia. And it's the second largest city in the country. The last Royal capital in it also sits on the Eastern banks of the Arawadi river with about 1.3 million people. And I always have thought when you hear the word Mandalay, like, wow, it's, that sounds exotic, huh? 
Yeah, it reminds me. It wasn't a Simpson. I had a Seinfeld. Yeah, Mandalay Industries. No, it was Vandalay. 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 Yeah. Um, but Peterman but did yeah, go to Burma. Oh yeah, I'm sure he did. Yeah. Um, especially as Mandalay, as I understand, it, is known for like its its arts and crafts and artisans and stuff like that. But from Bagan, it's about a four hour drive. Uh, it says, and when we visited, we didn't have time to to go up there and then back out. So, okay. I don't know. It looks pretty exotic. I know that a lot of the handicrafts that they sell in the markets in Thailand that uh, some of those are from Mandalay. Mm. Can you run us through any of the history, or do you want me to do that one? Um, why don't you go ahead? Well, thanks, Trevor. Um, well, it says here uh, that on 13th February 1857, King Mindon founded a new royal capital at the foot of Mandalay Hill to fulfill a prophecy on the founding of a metropolis of Buddhism in that exact place. And they did that on the occasion of the 2400th Jubilee of Buddhism. And Mandalay then nice. ceased to be the capital on November 28th, 1885. So not that long after, because the British conquered it and sent the then king and queen into exile. It's quite a planned city. And despite the exotic name, I was warned by many people before I went that it's not actually the most exciting place. But if you get out of the city quickly, you'll see neat countryside. Um, the old palace grounds are apparently not much to look at inside. I didn't go in, but there's a big moat, 3K on each side. Not bad for, say, an early morning run, if you don't mind contending with a little bit of traffic. Uh, I went up Mandalay Hill, which thousands of other people do for sunset, and it was nice. Um, there's a little silver district. If you've never seen silver kind of being pounded and made, that's kind of interesting. And uh, I'm going to say this wrong, I'm sure, but Ubain Bridge is one of the world's apparently biggest uh, teak bridges. It's about 15K south of the city. And actually, we hit it after flying in. So we flew in and you kind of then stop off and see the teak bridge and then go into the city. Don't go at sunrise or sunset. It's a gong show with thousands of people. Truthfully, I hate to say this, but it's 1.2 kilometers, but it was underwhelming. It was sort of standard cut wooden boards made out of teak so it just looked like lumber you'd get it anywhere and it was kind of a little let, let down like it didn't i don't know it didn't really totally fire me up one night is fine i think it's a kind of place if you're passing through to or from one night see a couple sites um maybe a bike tour out of the city i know there's a couple companies that do good ones and i've heard you can do some trips on the back of motorbikes one other famous thing at night is uh, there's a few older guys called the mustache brothers who have for oh, yeah. decades had famous politically charged comedy performances it's in burmese language and uh, yeah i mean that's kind of what i know of mandalay and experienced and yeah i mean not not the most exciting place and i think a night kind of does it yeah you know i was thinking at the time i don't think we had as much travel options as you do nowadays because you could probably fly internationally or even from bangkok to mandalay for sure you right? can yeah there's a couple um, airlines direct. So like I would think like flying into Mandalay and then driving down to Bagan from there would probably be the easiest way to see Bagan nowadays, yeah? It is a very nice way. And in fact, that's a great point, Trevor, that you bring up is if you're going to be doing, say, Bagan or even Inlay Lake is, yeah, flying directly from Bangkok or other cities into Mandalay makes a lot more sense than going to Yangon if you don't need to experience Yangon because it's just further away. So, yeah, it is a good jumping off point. And that's kind of what we did. We flew in saw some sites, spent the night, and then the next day we flew off to Inlay Lake. Okay. Yeah, we uh, ended up driving across. And again, it looks like it's about eight or so hours from Bagan to Inlay. So I don't know what it is from Mandalay to Inlay. 
Um, but, uh, you know, Myanmar is a, a pretty big country. These are quite substantial distances along the way. So actually, that the way you get from A to B kind of matters. That's why I kind of like to driving because you get to stop wherever you like to, you know, talk to people or check some out. Hat shop. We went to the cool hat shop in a little village. You know? Yeah, it, it is important to to really remember, like, Myanmar is a massive country. And, and north to south, like it has Himalayas in the north. And, you know, it almost gets down to, like, Phuket in the south of, you know, Thailand. Um and distances, the roads aren't great. So I was looking at driving from Mandalay down to Inlay with my parents, and they said it would be about eight hours, which seven, eight hours. Yeah, but that's great. You could fly. I mean, that's a, a great little flight because Inlay was quite interesting. And, and uh, your notes say that it's in the Shan Hills, Myanmar, but that's the Shan State, I believe. And, and when we went there, even in 2002, they had these kind of big billboards as you drove into town saying, yes, we have Yahoo. Yes, we have Gmail. <laughs> and... and uh, they actually had like computer uh, internet cafe kind of things there where you could access your gmail which was kind of cool because it, it had some autonomy then i know you know that's part of the problem myanmar has is just conflict within their their regions with different groups of people but i know the shan state had been semi-autonomous then hmm. yeah it's it's a neat area in that it's surrounded by lower mountains like you could call the mountains they're not big big mountains but it's surrounded by lower mountains the a kind of hill station called kala is uh i think about a two or so hour drive and a lot of people go to kala they do some trekking i've heard you can do a really nice three-day trek to or from kala to inlay lake and inlay lake is uh, 116 square um kilometer lake it's really not that deep it's like 3.7 meters in kind of wet season down to 1.5 meters depending on the season the rainy season is going to be from about july to beginning of november um, there's a few famous temples on the lake um, a couple on the edges of them and most people live on communities on stilted houses on the lake and i would kind of estimate you know maybe like a quarter of it is covered in in aquaculture farming people have poles and 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 plants growing out of the lake on it and it, it's really fascinating it's it's a little touristy and i think it's pretty tough to avoid the tourist thing there but but it was pretty nice what what did you do did you get out in the lake when you were there at all trevor yeah we got out on the lake uh there was a little village that uh, made bells actually i have a bell here if i can reach it i'll ring it for you you have a bell from inlay lake Ready? Okay. Wow, that was an unexpected surprise. So I got this beautiful bell mm -hmm. on this island on the lake. And then uh, we went to another... Uh, the temple that we went to was famous because it had jumping cats. It was the jumping oh, cat yeah, temple. Yeah, we went there as well. And uh, is that still there? Do they still have cats? There is happen? a temple with all kinds of cats. Yeah, they're a very special breed only found in Myanmar. But they were jumping cats. I have photos. We'll share it on the show notes. Go to TalkTravelAsia.com and you can click on the show notes where we'll have maps and photos and everything like that. But uh, the photos, yeah, they, this this guy would sit cross-legged on the floor there and there's cats all over the place. And he had like a little hoop, like a hula hoop. And he would hold it up kind of uh, just in front of his head, you know, arm's length out. And the cats would just kind of wander over and then they'd hop through the hoop. And then another one would wander <laughs> over and hop through the hoop. It was ridiculous. But the, I remember that temple also was fascinating because they had a collection of Buddha images, like like 20 of them or something like that. And they were from all different parts of the world. Like there was one from Tibet. There was one from China like that had been I don't know, donated to this little temple or something hmm. like that. So, so that was pretty fascinating. And then we went to like a village market that was kind of on the, you know, the muddy banks of the lake somewhere. And uh, in Myanmar, 
a lot of people chew like uh, betel the nut. betel nut. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. And uh, and when we were in Yangon, the, the sidewalks were red with the spit from betel nut because like so many people did it and just spat, spat on the street and stuff, right? So I was like, you know, I chewed tobacco when I was in, in high school, right? And so I was like, I gotta try this, yeah. Mm. And so. I think there's there's video, not shot video. We have great video of this trip, but it's still on like those mini tapes. You know, I haven't transferred that over yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, th- there's this little stand, and they make they have like leaves. They're like fresh green leaves, and then they put the crushed up betel, and I think like some tobacco. They put yeah. like it's kind of like a, some coconut. It's like a frozen yolk. It's like a frozen yogurt topping thing. Like there's like ten bowls of stuff, and you just point at like all the different stuff you want mixed in there, right? And the last ingredient she added was like some kind of white liquid, and that's the thing that got me. I think she just poured that liquid in, and then you wrap it all up, and it was like huge. It was the size of like a like a tiny banana. <laughs> like I had this giant thing, and I stuffed it in my mouth, and uh, and I ended up having some of the worst food poisoning ever <laughs> for the next couple days. Yeah. <laughs> That's where the video stopped for a while. Okay. Um, when I was at Inlay, sort of uh, chilling out was a big feature. I'm going to recommend a hotel, if you've got the money, called Sanctum Inlay Resort. It's kind of done in like Spanish style, strangely enough, but incredible pool, really nice rooms, good food, solid place. And I spent a little more because I was with parents who are a bit older, can't sit on the floors of boats, but you kind of rent a small low to the water kind of boat with some sort of chairs or pillows and you cruise a lake for the day. I mean, they take you to places to see people making silk and making silk shirts and then they want you to buy them and making things out of wood and then they want you to buy them. Um, then a couple of little temples, which was kind of neat. We had lunch in someone's house, which was really cool. And this house also had kayaks. So we went out for a little kayak around while my parents waited for us. But it was a nice day on the lake and you can spend a bit more on getting a nicer boat with kind of proper chairs with... Um, pillows on them so you sit on these chairs and you cruise the lake and you see the famous leg rowers there's guys that row there they have the paddle tucked around their leg nowadays though there's just guys out there like waiting for the tourists to come to pose for photos to get a bit of money and hey it is what it is Um, but it was a beautiful day out in the lake it was really nice we did do balloons over inlay lake here so uh, same company that does it over uh, bagan does it here took my parents it was about an hour ride you get up really early in the dark and they pick you up by boat and take you across the lake by boat and uh i mean it's a lot of money but it was pretty darn cool to see it from the air i'll put a few photos uh up same price on, yeah it was over 300 dollars. it was a rare time where i just bit the bullet and i paid for all of this um another mm. nice thing we did is we went out with a on a bike tour with a company there and it was a little bit off-roading it was probably about 20 kilometers but it was nice we got to see some farming and we rode to a little winery that's uh, around the area and had a couple glasses of so-so wine but that was nice and um yeah i think that three nights there is good you know um the airport's about an hour from town and uh, the town's really spread out. So there's kind of a town on the northern end of the lake. Sanctum, where I stayed, is sort of midway down on the eastern side. But I think you want three nights there. You want to land. You want to chill out, get to your hotel. Maybe day two, go out in the boats. And then day three is just uh, see how you feel. You're pretty generous with your itinerary lengths. You know, I like it. Uh, yeah, it would be cool to spend three nights there. Again, uh, considering you got to travel long distances, if you can just fly in, man, that's so great because that saves you so much time. But, uh, you know, I've looked at some interesting new areas. You know, Nick wrote about oh, like northern yeah. Myanmar. And, and I recently I recently saw 
you know, presentation of other areas where people can get to now and, uh, and see some really fascinating culture, uh, just cause it's, it's a very interesting country and, uh, it's, you know, the politics is always difficult. Mm. Um, when, when I went, um, you know, it was a whole like, don't go or should you go and everything. And, and that's certainly the case again. Um, you know, I just found that if you're a responsible tourist, uh, you can find ways so that uh, your money isn't necessarily supporting people that have different morals with you, you know, and sometimes just uh, being there to have conversations with uh, people about, you know, life or whatnot, like, you know, we're all human, so... Hopefully the problems there don't continue and people can go and enjoy a nice holiday. Yeah, it, it's a tough one, you know, and I don't really want to get into it. And I think we agreed where we're, you got to make yeah, your own sure. decision, right? There's the Rohingya thing is going on. There's no doubt it's, it's terrible. That said, the average person doesn't really have much to do with it. But that's what we experienced when we were there. And I do like the dichotomy. Like you were there 16 years ago <laughs> and I was at Inlay Lake yeah. like not even a year ago. So it's changed a lot since you were there, Trevor. But I think anywhere I've been in Minma, I've now been to like the main big sites. And, you know, I'm super pumped for the time that I, well, the day that I have the time to go, you know, further afield. Yeah, I got all excited to, to go now looking at the maps and reading the history. Like I, I definitely need to make a trip over there soon. And uh, you were talking about the beach, like their beaches must be spectacular. The beach know? was pretty so, good. So when you're saying three nights in Bagan and three nights in Inlay, I was like, oh, then, you know, you're going to have to spend like a month in Myanmar just to, to kind of have a proper experience. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it takes a while. I didn't go for a long time because I was waiting until I had a month and that never happened. So finally I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, go by in bits and pieces. Go when you can. Um, but it's worth getting to Minma. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember, help us out on Patreon. We really uh, kind of need a bit of sponsorship. And hey, you're getting some good info here. So show us a little bit of financial love. Go to the homepage. Click on Patreon on the left. Also, if you go to the show notes, we're going to have uh, some links to other episodes. And we'll throw up a nice photo gallery, which will link to our Facebook page. So uh, thanks for listening. Trevor, why don't you take us out of this thing? Hey, Scott, thanks for uh, meeting up with me here virtually to talk to our listeners about some interesting travel attractions. And uh, Myanmar is certainly one of them. Uh, it's been a long time since I've been to Bagan, and I'd like to go to Mandalay sometime. So I'm going to take you out with my Inlay Lake <laughs> bell, and I wish everyone uh, has a, an enjoyable next two weeks until you come and listen to us again. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and Ham?